0: All right, everybody, welcome to the May second edition of Cascadian Views. I have a newly immune Dan with me here today. How are you doing, Eddie?
1: <laughs> Immunity building up, yeah, huh. and <laughs> steadily recovering. You know that second shot's a doozy,
0: but uh, you know a little bit of Tylenol, and I'm back in the fight. My first one was so bad, um, yeah. and I'm I'm kind of curious how my second one here in a couple weeks is going to be, but. Uh... Not to get overly graphic, but about a day and a half after my first shot, I had massive left side testicular pain, to the point where, like, even walking was torture.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, definitely can come with some side effects, but, you know, certainly worth it in the long
0: run to be able to get out and resume normal life. Oh, absolutely. Even after what happened to me, I'm still excited for my mm-hmm. second shot. I'm just also a little curious what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess really our, our top story is naval gazing behind us in that Biden had a chance to highlight his, his first hundred days in a speech he gave like a day before he hit his hundred-day mark. Um, and a lot has happened a lot of really consequential stuff has happened. And I feel like, I mean, on a certain sense, we do talk about it because we get together every week just to talk about politics. But in the rest of my life, a lot of it has not really come up in a very strange way. Like, a lot of this stuff is happening really behind the scenes. And it's not making news. And I guess that's what we voted for. Like, this election was, in many ways, a... a reaction to the 24 7 news cycle of the the trump administration where there was some new outrage you know per minute yeah
1: the the, the will you shut up man election <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we got it you know thank goodness finally mm-hmm.
0: you know some peace I will point out one of the things that happened that I wasn't even aware of until it saved me $100 a month was they Mm -hmm. rejiggered the tax credits for the Affordable Care Act marketplace. Um, Yeah, yeah, I didn't even realize this was part of the COVID relief bill. It totally was. I got an email from healthcare.gov telling me to resubmit everything because just so you know, I'm eligible for up to 50% increased premium credits. Uh, And lo and behold, yeah, it took my monthly bill for my health insurance from uh my share was 84 70 something a month to now i pay 4 dollars and something a month
1: yeah well i mean it's it's one of i'm sure this is you know one of the many kinds of tweaks and things that you know democrats have been wanting to adjust to the affordable care act for probably going on you know 7 years now you know since it's come into effect is you know adjusting and increasing subsidies making it a little bit easier more user-friendly and you know filling in the gaps but it's just been impossible because Mm -hmm. you know republicans have wanted it to fail have wanted it to be unpopular or at least less popular than it could be and less you know beneficial for Mm -hmm. people who use it and you know since we've had you know a must-pass bill to provide relief for people you know this has been one of the things that they could include with it. Unfortunately, it's temporary, but you know, like the president said in his speech, it's one of those things he wants to
0: be eventually made permanent. And mm-hmm. it, it really does go a pretty long way towards putting it on parity with employer-provided health insurance. At my, right. my previous job that I worked for, you know, the like four years before I took this one, I, I did have employer-provided health insurance. And it, was, it was pretty nice. It was a great plan. Uh, but part of the thing that made it affordable was that, you know, a good chunk of the premium was paid for by my employer. <laughs> like right. we, we went in on it together and I only had to cover part of it. Um, with the marketplace plan, those premium credits are, are meant to replicate that. So my plan normally costs like 300 and something dollars a month. Uh, that's its its nominal out-of-pocket cost. I get money from the government because, you know, I only make like $40,000 a year Uh, and so it it worked out pretty well for me and you know I I really just I appreciated that little touch it was something that directly affected my life and directly made it better that I wasn't even aware that they had done Uh, which I I think is kind of one of my point and I think uh, a lot of people when they file taxes next year and see the increased child tax credit are going to get really that same sort of feeling yeah. Um, we had a, a number of other successful, uh, I don't want to call it spiking the the football, but something close to it. Biden had promised when he had come into office that he would get out, a uh, hundred million vaccine doses in his first hundred days. And there was a lot of talk in the political press about whether or not he could actually do that, whether that was a realistic target. We've blown past it. We've blown basket by, like, 50%. Um, half of Americans are have now received at least part of their COVID vaccine shot. Um, in the state here, we're, we're starting to get to the point now where anybody can get a shot that they want. Um, I shared a, a story in the group about how we're even distributing it in high schools because... Oregon gives full medical autonomy to anybody 15 or older so they can consent to medical uh, procedures themselves. It's, it's been really impressive to see. They've really marshaled that. And to be honest, that wasn't all Biden. Like, you do have to say that the, uh, the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services really laid a lot of the groundwork for this for, for months, and there have been career staffers really giving it their all. And cool. now that we had somebody who actually gave a shit, in charge, all those tools could be brought to bear and they were ready Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it helps having at least an
1: administration that actually is willing to help them coordinate and is at least not willing to doesn't want to stand in their way Mm -hmm. to finally, you know let things finally get across and yeah, blows past that 100 million uh doses goal, you know doubles it and then some Mm -hmm. which is yeah kind of the key to finally finally getting back to normal you know some 14 months later
0: and that uh first hundred days energy is, is set to continue he's unveiled a uh a budget and spending package that's really impressive and a lot of what it wants to do has uh quite a bit of money for infrastructure which we desperately need and have for god this has been like a meme in in politics for like 20 years now Mm -hmm. possibly even longer i may just have not noticed before yeah
1: yeah but yeah i mean it's that it's uh let's see here uh you know, taking real action to turn things around in terms of, uh, treatment of, uh, unaccompanied minors at the border. Um, that's, you know, some very serious humanitarian changes that the administration has made, uh, real investment in the economy and infrastructure, which, you know, they're taking very seriously and actually getting something passed and changing. I, think you know you know there's not a whole lot that they're going to be able to get passed legislatively i mean mansion once again is you know shitting on dc state with this <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, so you know there's next to nothing that they are to <coughs> be able to pass legislatively i mean i you know i don't think we're not even going to be able to get a voting rights bill it looks like but at the very least you know you will know, we'll be able to get you know some trains and some roads and bridges. So, at the very least, we'll be able to get that. You know, a good jobs bill passed, I expect.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's kind of increased possibility that we're going to get a a police reform bill. Right. I have been seeing that. Tim Scott's been making noises about working with Democrats again, which is nice to see because he had previously just said we were a bunch of crooks just a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm uh is there anything that really stood out to you from the speech itself beyond just the list of accomplishments
1: i think that's it's you know just this very reassuring president being a president uh claiming these just regular tokens of American patriotism and reassurance that we've kind of gone without for a very long time, and it's kind of strange how you, you go without that for so long, and it—it's just—it's it, such a bare minimum that it—it it, it shouldn't mean so much, and yet now that it's back. it's it calms you down it's all it's such it's such a bare minimum and yet when it's been gone for so long now that it's back it's it is such a reassurance i just gotta say Mm -hmm.
0: i really do appreciate it yeah uh and i guess our next national story of Well, two in the topic list, but I'm going to add a third because I forgot to mention Giuliani. But, yeah, yeah. we now have census uh, state figures uh, that are are finalized. We know who's getting districts, who's not getting districts provisionally. uh, We'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But the um, the numbers are in. Basically, it's an acceleration of what we have seen for some time. The states in the West are growing, uh, and the states in the Sun Belt, the Southeast, are also growing uh, much quicker than states in the Northeast and the Midwest are. The numbers didn't change quite as much as they thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas expected to get three seats. Florida expected to get a two. Both, in the end, uh, got one less than they thought they would. Um, additionally, we, we have a bit of controversy over New York. Um, New York lost one district by 89 people. Uh, they needed 89 more people to grow at a sufficient rate to keep the number of districts that they had. The next in line was, uh, Minnesota. Uh, New York is, as expected, not very happy (laughs) about this, um, as I mentioned in the pre-show, I, there is no realistic world that you could possibly paint for me where I do not believe that the census missed at least 89 people in New York. Yeah. Um, just the number of multi-generational immigrant households in New York City, the number of uh, you know, illegal apartments that are set up and rented just because of real estate prices in that city, uh, there are so many people who are, are basically invisible. Uh, that it takes a lot of effort to go out and find. And to their credit, in the past, the census has been pretty good about really going everywhere. I mean, sending people in, into storm tunnels and shit to find homeless people camped out in there. Uh, they were not doing that this time. First of all, Trump was very much putting people in charge of the census who did not believe in counting all the people in blue states. Uh, or the people who, say, spoke different languages or things like that. Uh, because the census is conducted in over 100 languages. Like, they, they will talk to you in the language that you speak to ensure that they get all the information. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, also, the efforts that were put into uh, driving down Hispanic uh, turnout to the census was probably something we'll talk about for years. Um New York is suing to get this district back. Um, I don't I don't know if there's any chance that a federal judge orders a district restored to New York. I, I don't think that they're going to get involved in this in any sort of way. But uh, just in terms of the actual, like, truth of the matter, I think New York's probably right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, factually, I think there's...
1: Definitely an argument to me that they are. I'm, I would scramble to come up with a legal basis though. Yeah. To come up with a way to award them that though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't come up with, you know, a legal rationale though. Yeah. Yeah. To take what a district, you know, basically from me, yeah, Minnesota and hand it over to New York. Yeah. I, I can't come up with a precedent for it, and I can't come up with yeah a legal remedy that would that would do that. Yeah,
0: there's no way they actually get this district back, but i I think they they're pretty sympathetic here. Uh, yeah, I don't sure. know if that matters, but yeah, I, I I think at the end of the day, I probably agree with New York's case more than I don't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> in terms of in terms of you know liberal real politic i'd rather have the you know i'd rather have new york democrats just gerrymandering out a republican district (laughs) than have the you know you know have the various you know state actors in minnesota trying to wheel and deal over the loss of a seat there because yeah there's too much horse trading to happen there. And I think that would more likely result in the loss of a democratic district. Whereas in New York, it's definitely going to be a red red seat that ends up getting lost. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. Now, I I also talked a little bit about the difference in the data that the census has put out versus what they're gonna need for redistricting. Um, And this is, what they've released now is called apportionment data. And as I mentioned before, it's the top line numbers. Uh, this is the numbers that they use to determine how many districts each state will get. So it's kind of, at one level, it's the most important data. Um, At the other end, it's also the most useless data. If you're actually drawing the districts, knowing how many people in the state does not tell you how many people are in any given geographical area. It doesn't allow you to draw districts of equal size. That is the redistricting data, which is more granular, And it's not expected to be released until at the absolute earliest, August, uh, probably more like September, uh, October. They are going to try and get a, what they're saying is a almost unusable, and that's a direct quote from the census, version of the data out earlier maybe at the end of june beginning of july it's just going to be basically a a comma delineated list of of responses to the census track with various you know little tags on it uh and it's going to be basically impossible for any of the states to use that uh they're going to have that processed into actual like census track by census track population figures at, at that september October maybe uh, August date that I mentioned before that data is what states require to actually draw these districts Um, Mm -hmm. and a lot of these states have on the books laws that tell them that they must have districts drawn by such and such time we're gonna blow by that time this redistricting data was already supposed to be out the top line numbers that we just got were actually legally required under federal law to be released by December 31st, 2020. So, like, five months ago, um, although because of all the challenges of the census, the pandemic, and the Trump fuckery, we, right. we had to delay that. I mean, that's just, the law has to fall in the face of the actual reality of the situation, and the data wasn't ready. It was just really, really important that...
1: Trump the Trump administration tried to exclude immigrants.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, we have to remember our priorities here, people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's already six lawsuits uh, filed in various states uh, to challenge both the data and the timeline of when they're going to be drawing districts. Um, it, it's going to be a mess. The The people in the political, like, system, the people in the parties, uh, are saying that they don't really expect it to be resolved until, in some cases, like the 2022 election. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. The, uh, the one that kind of interests me is Montana picking up a seat. Montana's finally got enough people to get another congressional seat, um, and, Montana's interesting in the fact that it's it's not as conservative as the other Rocky Mountain states. It's not, you know, Utah or Idaho or anything like that. It's it's more like Colorado, less, less liberal. But, you know, they do have a, a track record of electing Democrats, including a senator right now. Tester has been there for a few cycles. Um, I, there's no way you can carve up Montana that isn't at least in the margins good for us
1: yeah I mean you can't really gerrymander it there's not really uh, there's not really a hardcore there's not really a single urban area so much there are a couple of you know
0: villains and Helena yeah yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) they're not not even urban so much they're just you know large-ish towns of you know maybe you know you know you know high high five figures.
0: But, I don't uh, even think they're up in that. Yeah. Billings is just over a hundred thousand people and see the largest city in Montana. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so it's basically
1: I'm trying to think of the dynamics here. Uh yeah the where most of the most of the Democratic votes they tend to be Generally, you know where your native populations are, and then yeah, some of those you know, you Billings, Missoula, those areas right there. Um, so yeah, I mean, depending on where you carve up the districts, you, I think there's definitely going to be at least one of those that would be competitive. So, yeah, then I mean, that's definitely going to be interesting, depending mm-hmm. on how that ends up. So should definitely be interesting.
0: So, you want to know the breakdown of cities in Montana by population. In first place, you have Billings with 109,000 people. In second place, mm-hmm. you get Missoula with 73,000 people. <laughs> Third, you get Great Falls with 58,000. Fourth, you get Bozeman by with 46,000, and in fifth place, you get Butte with 34,000 people. You get to 30,000 people at the fifth largest city in Montana. Wow. It It is very impressive to me how Montana has managed to pick up the seat without really any population centers whatsoever. There are, Amazing. yeah, there are multiple suburbs of the Portland metro area with a larger population than Billings' biggest city, or than Montana's biggest state.
1: Said, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess they've just got a lot of, you know, just a lot of small population centers. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess no one population center larger than, say, Anchorage. Huh.
0: Mm-hmm. interesting. You were at the eighth largest city in Montana by the time uh you go under 10,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's... Uh, it's roughly the size of Germany. Uh, Montana is almost exactly the size of Germany. It's one of my like weird little things I use to measure these. Uh, Germany has eighty million people, <laughs> so Montana's mm-hmm. still got a room room to grow. We know it can comfortably take more people.
1: Nice and empty, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but filling up, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. We were a little surprised that Arizona did not pick up a seat. Uh any seat yeah. that he put into Arizona would also be good for Democrats. Right. Um Well so.
1: also because it's uh it's also got a uh, nonpartisan uh, anti gerrymandering commission in there as well. So it's not what like mm-hmm. Republicans would be able to, yeah the way they're going to do in Texas. So
0: Yeah. <laughs> And they wouldn't be able to do a rural boat sink district in Arizona because they basically already have two of them and there's not enough population in the deserty parts of Arizona to (laughs) accept another district. So any way you do it, it would have resulted in a a Democratic-friendly map in Arizona. So we're a little bummed about that. Uh, California lost a seat despite the fact that they gained millions of people over this. Uh, It's just... Mm -hmm other states are now growing even faster uh we picked one up here in oregon dan i know you and i had a conversation in the group about how you'd uh, put that in there uh i'm i'm of the opinion that the republican district is going to change pretty drastically uh we have i believe it's the second district in oregon which is our rural vote sink district out east uh, It does include one significant population center, the fastest-growing city in the United States for, like, the last 20 years, Bend, Oregon, which has Mm -hmm. a substantial number of people in it. It is not as liberal as Portland, but it is pretty solidly democratic at a local level at this point, Um, although it's, its suburbs and surrounding areas are redder than fucking red. Uh, I, I do think we're going to see Ben shifted into probably the fourth uh, because that's the one. I know you mentioned uh, the fifth district wanting yeah, to, to shore that up,
1: fifth, I guess, or swingy. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I would think it's going to go into the fourth district, which would allow them to jettison uh, some of the, the redder areas in the south of the fourth district, uh, like the Coos Bay area, Josephine, Jackson yeah. counties down there. If you were to shoot that stuff into the second, you shore up the fourth quite a bit and it allows you to shed some area from the north of the fourth into the fifth, kind of doing a, a knock-on domino effect down there. Maybe even split Eugene out. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think that's going to be the way that they end up doing that. I don't know where they're going to put the new district. Um, you said it's basically got to come out of Portland and I don't think it's gonna come out of the city center itself. Portland did not grow very much. Um hmm. it, it didn't grow very much in the last few years. It is fifteen percent increased uh from the last census ten years ago, but over the last year it's only been a point seven six percent increase in uh Portland's population. I, I think you're probably what suburbs yes yes it is mostly suburbs and that's where i think you're gonna see the new district currently the the portland like city itself district on the western half extends all the way out to the coast uh you Uh, have like basically west from the the willamette all the way out to include like Astoria and, and all that seaside right there on the coast. You've got significant population centers in there with Hillsboro, Beaverton, like the, the west yeah. side of the Portland metro. I think you're going to see the Portland city seat itself on the west side creep east into what is now Blumenthal's district. You're going to see Blumenthal's district pick up more of the, the southern suburbs, Clackamas, and I think you're you're going to have a new seat carved out for like Hillsboro Beaverton, and then all the stuff west going out to the the coast, like the old district was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Were you surprised Washington didn't pick anything up? Mm, no, I mean we did gain one in the last
1: census, so it's a little. It would be a little surprising to. Yeah go multiple in a row, I would say.
0: It seems like you're adding a bunch of people up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I guess we'll talk about Giuliani now. Let's do it. Uh, so Giuliani has been served as search warrant. We thought it was his first. He has now said it's his second, or his lawyer has said it's his second. Uh, the judge... Authorized a warrant that allowed them to go into a lawyer's office and seize files, which is a big fucking deal right
1: yeah, absolutely <laughs> he is in huge trouble
0: yeah i I just mean it's very unusual to see an actual air quotes practicing uh lawyer get get busted like that the the courts are very concerned about attorney-client privilege and, and all these other things. The feds basically had to already prove their case to the judge to get this granted, right? Right. It, it was similarly, uh, I think it was
1: it was a couple of years ago now when uh, Cohen's office was raided, similarly. And that was a prelude basically to him being charged and then eventually copying a plea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he by that
0: point he was in very serious trouble. Uh, Giuliani's lawyer says that there is a uh, another warrant that they got a year or two ago for his iCloud stuff. Um, he said it was a secret warrant. I I don't know if I should believe him. What do you think on that? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure on that either, but. I just... It, it's not... An, Giuliani and the people Giuliani has hired, I, I basically feel are an unreliable narrator on, on this subject, on what goes on in Giuliani's life. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure how much stock to put in that, but if there was a quote-unquote secret warrant for his iCloud stuff, doesn't that... At least from the way they're phrasing it, it makes me think of FISA warrant. Yeah, I mean...
1: Well, the the, the man... Just kind of spews anything at this point, so I would definitely wait until we actually hear from uh, until we hear from you know Southern District of New York or you know the actual you know prosecutors on the case. Yeah, I'm not sure whether wait was it was it federal prosecutors that
0: were directing the
1: raid or was it from federal.
0: uh, okay. So they are nominally looking into uh FARA act violations. Uh, and specifically they're looking at uh, Giuliani's contacts with Ukraine where they were, uh, he was pressing them and communicating their concerns and their policy uh, requests to congressional Republicans over that U uh, S ambassador and the uh, Ukrainian prosecutor and, yeah, yeah.
1: Unbelievable. I mean <laughs> the extent to which that man has gone in the last the last couple of years for Trump and what just
0: you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there has been some media drama around this story. Uh WaPo, the New York Times and NBC all had to retract reports uh based from the same source that Giuliani got a defensive briefing from the FBI uh that he was the target of a foreign influence campaign. Uh all three had the same source on that. It was uh, one of the the people in the Department of Justice. All three of them got a second source who came to them and said uh, no, actually, the department put together a defensive briefing for Giuliani but never actually gave it to him We decided against that. Uh, so all three had to pull that part of the story, issue retractions. Uh, they stand by the rest of it. The rest of it does look pretty solid. Uh, but people on the right are, are pretty much dancing on graves over that retraction. I don't understand why they think it's so important, but there you have it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Giuliani was not the only lawyer targeted in this. Uh, there was a a lady whose name is escaping me right now. You re, know this off the top of your head? No, not Miss Tonesing.
1: The f- I just realized. oh right yes. The other yeah. one who was the
0: yeah 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 yeah. 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 Part her clown show, yes. Her cell phone was seized, and her offices were also searched. Um. So. Yeah, looks like we're moving forward with that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All, yeah, you know, all the. Uh, all the former president's
1: lawyers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, and I, I guess we'll touch on our local stories here. Uh, Washington, whose legislature is, I believe, still in session, correct? You guys have that going?
1: Yeah. Like,
0: they are kind of wrapping up the last
1: loose ends for this uh, first year of the session.
0: So, one of the last things that they did, then, is they put together a a fairly comprehensive new uh, anti-slap statute. Uh, This was in somewhat in response to 2015 ruling by the Washington Supreme Court that struck down the previous anti-slap law Um, the previous holding had been that the anti-slap law violates the right to trial by jury under Washington law that had been their issue with it this one does away with some things that would cause that issue to come into place. Uh, a slap suit is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. It's when you get sued by somebody who just basically wants you to shut up. It doesn't matter that they're gonna lose the case. They want to make it long and expensive for you and cause you to not be doing what you are doing. Uh, it has been increasingly popular in states to put out laws that are meant to combat this practice. Um, where you have to show at least a prima facie case by a very early time in the trial in order to get it to proceed. And if you're unable to do so, uh, not only is the case dropped, but generally you have to pay uh, lawyers' fees and and associated penalties to the people that you were suing. That that sounds like a, a fair summary? That sums it up pretty
1: well. So I this is the first I actually heard about the new law. So what, so I guess they got this a little bit more targeted so that it would, yeah, up to legal scrutiny here.
0: Basically, uh, from my understanding of it, it's, uh, it's just set up in such a way that there's not additional penalties on you. You do still have to cover the, uh, the legal fees of the, the other party, um, but there there's no additional penalty which is what the supreme court had an issue with last time that assessing these uh, large penalties against the other side without giving them a right to defend themselves before a jury was unconstitutional under the washington state senate or uh, gotcha. state laws so yeah it's just been tweaked around i uh i i i have a bit of a soft spot for this area of law, I think it's incredibly important. Um, I never actually had to do this, but I was uh, threatened with this many times through the uh, the Shooting Tracker project. I had people oh, who yeah. were who were big mad, would be threatening to sue. Uh, one of the big things specifically was we included uh, like links to news articles with names of shooters in a lot of cases, and and people. Relatives mostly did not like having that information more easily accessible at the time when the project was getting so much media attention and whatnot. Uh, So I was threatened with a number of lawsuits from that. Nobody ever actually filed anything. But it is it caused me to investigate uh, how these things are set up. And some states are really, really good. Texas, surprisingly, has one of the best anti-slap statutes in the entire fucking country. (laughs) yeah it's it's absolutely incredible it it should probably be the model for all these going forward but a lot of states have absolutely none absolutely none to the point where if somebody sues you you're just automatically going to be paying tens of thousands of dollars um in, in order to defend yourself even if they literally have zero case interesting yeah so this is an area of law that I like to keep abreast of. And I was very happy to see Washington really tightening up, uh, what they had going on there. So sure. Yeah. Uh, the other news it, from my perspective down here in Oregon, Dan, but you said it's also happening up in Washington. Uh, 15 counties in Oregon have snapped back into the extreme risk category, which includes shutting down indoor dining and restaurants and gyms and stuff. Um, at, at, this point we knew it was going to be happening uh the governor even took steps like three weeks ago to make it harder they they saw this coming and so they adjusted the rules that not only would counties have to meet their own individual metrics to go to extreme risk but that the state as a whole would have to hit certain targets before any counties were were forced back into extreme risk that bought them a couple weeks but then Last week, the state hit the targets, (laughs) and almost instantly, 15 counties snapped back to extreme risk, including two of the Portland metro, uh, Multnomah, which contains Portland itself, and Clackamas, which are the southern suburbs. There was some talk about uh, whether or not the governor would put Washington County, uh, which is the western suburbs of Portland, into the same category. They are just below the line. By, like, three hospitalizations. Um, But also, the metro area functions as kind of one big unit. Like, the different cities here matter less because we're one larger body. Um, In the end, the governor decided not to do that. So, Washington County is still open. So, everybody from Portland is just going to drive to Beaverton to go out to drink. Um, It's the stupidest thing in the world, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got, you know, they haven't phased back yet, but, yeah, I'm looking at a map right now, and uh, we've got uh, at least a dashboard here of uh, counties uh, along the I-5 corridor running from Skagit all the way down to Catalyze. Uh So, basically, everything between Mount Vernon and Portland uh, that is uh, not meeting their metrics and may be going back rolling back to phase two uh, so yeah maybe scaling back very soon um
0: that i'm looking at this map right now so yeah, not no. good yeah no <laughs> definitely not uh we are at roughly 50 percent of oregonians i believe i'd seen had their their shots um I'm assuming Washington is a similar, if not larger, number.
1: Yep. Yeah, I was just looking last night about uh, 46% of Washingtonians have had at least uh, one dose.
0: Okay. We're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel here, but it's it's still slow going, and people are, uh, people are flouting the rules in a lot of cases. You would not believe the number of people I see come through work without a face mask on, for example. Yeah. Yep. Oh well. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, but it'll be a couple months yet before we get there. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to mention? I think. Yeah. That.
1: I think that's probably where it is this week. It's. It's May already. God, we're a third of the way through this year. Yeah, I know, right?
0: Good grief it's it's going quick yeah to the point where it's starting to mess with my feelings my own mortality and whatnot <laughs> I, I was laying in bed last night i was i was really thinking i'm like you know goddamn it 35 i'm like halfway through my life at this point and it feels like each year goes faster and faster than the other one yeah yeah i know it i know it all right well before I go off the rails here and, and start crying or something. I think we'll just end this.
1: <laughs> Turns into a Harry Chapin song or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh have a good week, Dan. All right. You too, Rock. Bye. Bye.